0: Of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today we opened up the Gospel of Luke. In the cycle of the year, we begin with the Gospel of John, starting on Pascha, which we read all the way through Pentecost, and we've been reading through the Gospel of Matthew these last months. And now, after the Sunday, after the Feast of the Cross, we enter into the Gospel of Luke. And we're very early in the Gospel, because we'll actually go through the Gospel generally chronologically. So, what we have at this time is Jesus comes into Capernaum. Just before this chapter in the Gospel was when he was baptized by Christ... And when he went into the desert and was tempted 40 days by Satan, then after that he went back to Nazareth, to his hometown. There he spoke in the synagogues, and the people were so angered at him. They're saying, this is Joseph's son. Who is this? They brought him up to the precipice of the hill to cast him down. And he left in the midst of them, and that's when he went down by the Sea of Galilee, or as it's called in this gospel, the Sea of Gennesaret. And so he's here in Capernaum, teaching in the synagogues, performing a series of miracles, and the crowds are gathering around him. And the Sea of Galilee has generally fairly steep sides, and so he decides to go out into a boat so he can speak to a whole group of people who are up on the hillside, trying to hear his words. And he goes out and he speaks to the people. And then the gospel gets interesting. Then he says to them, he says, cast your net into the water for fish. And Peter shares what has been happening. All night long, they've been fishing. They've been there all night long in that same place. Fishing all night, catching nothing at all. You can imagine how weary they were and you know maybe a little bit depressed we worked all night long and we get nothing nothing at all and so peter should say we fished here all night long we don't need to put the nets in the water but instead what does he say he shows his faith he says but at your word i will let down the nets And when they had done this, they enclosed a great shoal of fish and their nets were breaking. And they beckoned their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And both of the boats were sinking because of the quantity of the fish. I know we've heard this gospel many times, but we have to think about what a huge miracle this is. They were fishing in the exact same place all night long, nothing at all. And then they have so many fish that their two boats are sinking. How many times in the course of their entire life as fishermen, do you think they had their boats sinking from the number of fish that they caught? So you see why at the end of the gospel it says, they left everything and followed him. But we even see their shock because Peter kneels down before him recognizing from this miracle that he's the Messiah. He says, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. And it says that him and all of his companions were astonished they were so astonished that Jesus, Jesus even said to them, what did he say? Do not fear. They were afraid because of what they had just witnessed. It's almost like the world coming undone. What, where did all these fish come from? What is this going on here? <clears throat> now these fishermen knew the magnitudes of, of Christ's miracle because they had spent so many years of fishing there. How often in our own lives have we been toiling like St. Peter and his his, uh, partners in fishing, toiling all night long and seeing no result. And for us, that toiling may last for days and weeks and months and even years, depending on the struggles that we're facing, wanting to be rid of our spiritual maladies, warring against the passions with no sign of progress, still feeling anxious when we don't want to be anxious anymore, getting angry and upset at our children or our loved ones, not wanting to do that anymore, struggling with lust or cursing or judging or any of these things. Our spiritual fatigue sets in. Our expectations say that we should see some change. Some change should be happening. But it's like those apostles all night long fishing and fishing and getting nothing. We know that experience. Right now, as I speak, each of you can think of the ways in which you're toiling and toiling in your spiritual life, and it feels like it's the nighttime and it just keeps going on. We want to see results, but God, in His loving providence, doesn't reveal them. This is our time of patience, our time of prayer. Like the fisherman in the boat at night, toiling and catching nothing. Mm -hmm. My brothers and sisters, nothing that we do is without purpose. This is what we must remember. Nothing is without purpose. Nothing is meaningless. So many times we're trying to find the meaning in the things, and that can be its own trap. But nothing is without purpose. Why? Because God is always at work. Even in the midst of what seems like endless or meaningless toil, while we're laboring, he too is at work. There's a beautiful icon, if you've ever seen it, of Christ, the, the Christ child sort of resting on this bed, reclining sideways. It's called Anapason. And it comes from a passage in the Psalms talking about how God is the sleepless one. He never rests. He's always at work. Even when we're resting, he's still at work. So every toil that we face, every struggle that we face, take courage. Because it's not for naught, it's not meaningless, but rather it has meaning that in God's time and in God's way will be revealed to us. It's like Jesus is laying the groundwork. The miracle in the gospel today wouldn't have been as profound if they had not caught nothing the night before in the same place. It wouldn't have been as profound. So you see how God was laying the groundwork with them. Like the disciples toiling at night, so are we toiling in our spiritual struggles. But we're also... We take the courage to know that it's not meaningless. We also must remember that we are not alone. Not only is God at work, but all of our beloved saints who have been through struggles like ours and worse, they're with us. How often do we lean upon our beloved saints in times of struggle? The more the better, I'll say that much. There are many saints, you can just look around the walls and look at each of them and see their struggles, St. Nicholas in the persecutions. St. John Chrysostom in his exile, St. John of Damascus in having his hand cut off, St. Xenia wandering in the streets in winter, all around us, the struggles that they faced, St. Nikiforos, the leper, our beloved saint who we prayed to so much. If you haven't read his paraclysis, read it. Come this Wednesday, we'll be praying the paraclysis to St. Nicophoros. But there's there is so much about patience in his life. Because for those of you who don't know, he endured and struggled with leprosy for decades. Decades. It was eating away at his body before there was a cure for leprosy. Right around that time, soon after, there was a cure. And so leprosy basically doesn't exist now. It's curable. But he was the last of that generation of people who, like centuries before, like in the Gospels, lepers were put away. And so he endured this. So one particular verse that always strikes me when we get to it. Anvil stone of patience you proved to be. For you did not yield, although struck by life's fearful blows. You were tried with pains as if in a fiery furnace. And there you shone more brightly by far than precious gold." Think of that image. He's an anvil stone of patience. What does that mean? Life's fearful blows are hitting him again and again and again. But does the anvil, does it bend and warp? No. It stays the same. And then that second image, tried with pains as if in a fiery furnace and shone more brightly by far than precious gold. You imagine that metal going into the furnace and turning bright red hot. So we have saints who we can lean to when we're struggling. Many, many saints that we can lean upon. But most importantly, to recognize, as I said before, nothing is in vain. Nothing has no, is without meaning, even if we can't discern or understand or figure out why, what the meaning is for what we're enduring. You see, patience, our Lord even said, by your patience, possess your souls. What does that mean? The opposite of that means, if we don't have patience, we're no longer possessing ourselves. We're no longer within ourselves. You can imagine this when we get fearful and anxious. Our mind is running all over in so many different places instead of being here in our heart resting. Because patience always has with it an aspect of hope. Like I said, nothing is without meaning. What does that mean? We can endure with patience because we're recognizing God is at work. God will work good through this. God will work good through everything that he does in our lives. And even those things that evil, that our our enemy, the devil, and that human beings and their evilness do to us, even those things, God will still work through those. He has no part in them, and yet he'll still come into the midst of them and work in our lives. So we need to have that hope because the opposite of patience is really, if you think about it, is despair. Either we're enduring under this thing, and I've described before the word for patience in Greek, hypomoni, has a very clear image of being under pain, enduring pain. So if we have patience, then we don't despair. Because that's our biggest danger when we face an ongoing, long struggle, a struggle that seems to go on without end. And this is why we need prayer, because patience, I can tell you, have more patience, have more patience, but you may say to me, I don't have any more patience, I can't endure this anymore. And this is where we need our prayer, both to the saints, to those examples before us, and to our loving Lord and to his mother. Our parish as a whole is also in this time of patience as well in prayer. I've been realizing even more now, it's a, almost a year to the date when we found out that that West Union property was not going to work for us. And it's been a year of still being in this same building, still waiting for the right property, still looking, and it can feel very, uh, felt like a sucker punch. Like, now what do we do? This is a time for our parish community as a whole to have prayer and patience. Because these things will resolve. God desires to see a beautiful house for him to dwell in. We'll get there. But right now is a time of patience, and it needs our prayer. And this is partly why I've started having these every week paraclesis, so that we can pray for the future of our own parish. Because with our patience, we have hope that it will reach fullness. But if we're not careful, we can despair. We can lose the vision of what our parish is going to become and just kind of be here, kind of floating along. So we need to hold on to this vision of what the future will be for our parish. And God willing, when we have some celebration here in a few weeks, we'll focus on that even more to say, this is why we're here. This is where we're going with our community. Because these walls, as comfortable as they are, they are not going to last forever. The parish council I wasn't planning to say this but at the parish council meeting last week we just found out from the fire marshal that our sprinkler heads are 48 years old and they're allowed to be 50 years old before they can be replaced before they have to be replaced. So we've got another $25,000 job that if we stay in this building another 2 years we can plan for that as well. So anyway, We need to move. (laughs) So keep looking. Keep looking. But it needs our prayer first and foremost. As much as our thinking will do, as much as our looking around will do, we need to be closer to God in harmony with his will. And through that, great things will happen. My brothers and sisters, remember, in your times of struggle, in your long, enduring struggles, it's not without meaning, even if you can't find the meaning. It is never pointless. And remember that you're not alone. God is the unsleeping one and all of his saints are here to help us and carry us through these difficulties. Amen.